Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you to, well, Phil, I guess we have to talk about it Saturday. Yeah, but we're not we're not taking to. a couch out. We're not this this is not therapy. No. We're just going to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to talk about what happened on Saturday. It was not an enjoyable day for most of us. Uh, what what was it? Rick Pitino said after the St. John's game on Sunday, like this is the worst experience of my life, the the most unenjoyable experience of my lifetime. I don't know if I'd go that far with the Marquette game on Saturday, but I sure didn't like it. I don't no. think any of you did either. But So we're going to talk through what happened against Connecticut, what it means big picture, which is really what I want to get to in this podcast, and I think Phil does too, is big picture, where is Marquette right now? And I think you'll find the answer to be rather positive. Hopefully, anyway. And then we'll talk about the week ahead. Uh, two games, with, uh, hopefully some get-right games, at least one anyway. Uh, first to Paul, and then a team we haven't seen yet this season, Xavier, is coming uh, to Fiserv Forum on Sunday. So, Phil, let's... I want to start with this, because uh, Saturday evening you <laughs> tweeted out that you had watched the game a second time. And, I sure did. Uh, I'll just start by asking you this question. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well... So the reason I watched it the second time, one, you know, I love pain clearly, but, but two, yes. like I, I just, I really wanted to understand because the first time I watched it, I watched it at my, uh, at my brother's house. My, my niece and nephew had a joint birthday party. So we were down for that. And, you know, so I was watching the game quite closely, but again, there, you know, distractions happen, things are going on though. I will say uh, one commentary and it was very apropos my nephew, who is uh, just turned nine, um, is not into sports at all, like doesn't really follow them. He walked in when I was watching the game with about six minutes to go and just very loudly goes, boy, this game's going real bad for you, huh? <laughs> Astute observation. Thank I was you. like, thank you, Sawyer. You have been an amazing amount of help. Um but the the reason I wanted to rewatch it is I wanted to get a sense of of like was this just you know Marquette was totally outclassed does not belong on the same court as 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 uh, as uh, Connecticut I almost said St John's um, you know were they just totally outmatched or was there other stuff going on and I think the conclusion I came to was that UConn was was certainly the better team. And I will also say, like, UConn treated this like it was their Super Bowl. They, the, the crowd on the second watch, because I was watching it muted at my, at my brother's house, the, the crowd was crazy into it. The, 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 you know, UConn did not call off the dogs at any point in time. Um, you know, they were clearly looking to make a statement. You know, Mark had had some struggles, uh, and we'll get into some more of those details. But the big thing for me was Marquette lost on this day, but it also wasn't like it, you know, the score may, may tell you otherwise, but it wasn't like worse than the, the result we had at UConn last year. UConn just called off the dogs last year. This time they didn't. So the score got bigger. 
But, you know, we took two out of three against UConn last year. I'm not saying that this is a good result, but I'm just saying I didn't see anything where, like, Marquette is irrevocably broken and can't beat UConn. That was just a bad day to have a bad day. Uh, I'm I'm mostly with you on that. Uh, A few things. Yes, UConn was undeniably better. Uh, regarding the crowd and like, well, I wouldn't. Well, I don't know if I would say they treated it like their Super Bowl because y- UConn is for better or for worse, and honestly, lately it's been for better. They they kind of like look down on anything in the regular season, and it's all about March, and that's what they've been able to do so well over the last say twenty ish years is do ex- incredibly well in that tournament, and they've got five national titles out of it. But I think. In my like, well, I wouldn't say they treat it like their Super Bowl. This was probably their biggest game of the season, maybe since the Kansas game when they went to Allen Fieldhouse. Right. Uh, I mean, they played North Carolina right after that, but um, this was pro- this had a huge feel to it because they knew if they won it that the Big East title was all but done. They haven't officially clinched it yet, but the odds of them losing what, three of their last five games to choke it away are slim to none. I I don't think there's any way Connecticut loses three of its last five games. Uh, so the, the Big East title is all but theirs. And so for that reason, it, it was like a coronation for them. Like right. this is their first regular season Big East title since, what, like 2009, something, 2006 maybe? Some, it, it, it's been a while. Obviously, they were in the American for a, while, uh, a spell there, but it's been a while since they won a regular season conference title of any kind. So this was, again, it was like a coronation for them because then they, they got to officially rip that title away from Marquette, who was the reigning champs, and so now the title is essentially theirs. And th- there was certainly an energy in the building. The crowd was... I even saw UCann, UConn fans saying this was the best crowd of the season by far for them. Um, they were ready for it. They wanted it. And, yeah, I think to your point about Marquette, the way they played, yeah, like, I mean, how long was it actually close? Like, the the eight, first 12 10 minutes? minutes? The first, first 12 minutes. Yeah. And then it, it just became a, like... A, a, a situation where like UConn won every four minute segment after that, and it just piled on top of you. Like you know, okay, you you lose one segment and you're down like four or five, and then you lose another segment, then it's seven, and then you lose another segment, then it's ten, and then you know a few segments later you blink and you're down twenty. It it just like UConn won each segment, and by the end it was a, just a total rout. And I think you're right about UConn did not take its foot off the gas, Marquette might have a little bit. I mean, considering, you know, there was a point pretty early in that second half when we all felt it was over. Mm-hmm. Like, that, you know, Marquette was not going to come back from that game. Yeah, they were down 16 at half, and that felt bad. But I think I think we all kind of, I don't know about you, but I, I, I went to that half thinking, all right, this is bad, but let's see if Marquette comes out with its patented, you know, second half energy as it has in several games this year. Maybe you hit a couple threes and you blink and it's a single-digit game and maybe you've got something there. But that did not happen at all. It bloomed up to 20 very quickly. And shortly after that, it was pretty clear it was over. And, yeah, later in the second half, you got extended minutes for Trey Norman and Zade Lowry. And even Ali Amadou got in this game. It was a blowout. And it's a you know, shock waved the white flag and, you know, 
UConn looked over and saw the white flag and kept going. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, not that I expected UConn to just dribble it out and, like, take it easy on us. I didn't expect that at all. I mean, they, they've they been destroying everyone they've played this year, so they had a chance to do it to Marquette. They were going to do it. They did. Absolutely dominant performance. Uh, and just, yeah, nothing went well for Marquette. I mean, they uh, they had shot 44% or better in three and five straight games coming into that. I was hoping for one more. That didn't happen. Five of 23 from three. That is not going to get it done. The rebounding, which is going to be a problem almost every night for Marquette. You just hope they do everything else better to make up for that. Huge problem, obviously, with, with Klingon and the way he rebounds and really every, you know, the whole team rebounds. So, UConn is also just huge. I mean, they're bigger than Marquette at every position, and that caused problems all night. So bad matchup, bad game. Marquette did not play well, and, and again, it just piled. It just stacked on top of itself. Each segment was like worse than the one before it, and it was just never getting better. Yeah, and I will say this. I mean, even if you, you know, so Marquette was in it. The first 10 minutes, it was tied 18-18. Eight, it even, uh, you know, 12 minutes in, I think Marquette was down two or three. Um, and then UConn essentially went on a, you know, something like a 21-2 to two run or something like that to end end the half, which, like you, like you said, was not good. And then to start the second half, Again, it was back to back and forth, right? There's there's 20 minutes a game you put together there where Marquette was equal feels generous, but was competitive with you, you UConn. The other 20 minutes... Not getting its doors blown off. <laughs> well, I mean... But, Not I mean, getting its it, doors blown it, off, yes, but yeah. But, I mean, there there's 20 minutes a game where, where they played UConn on the scoreboard evenly. There is 20 minutes of that game okay. where they got their doors blown off. Yes, and that's and that's yes. and that's the challenge, right? And and UConn had an answer every time Marquette tried to make a run, right? And I just think the thing that 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 I really take take away is in a game of Marquette versus UConn, the margin of error for Marquette to beat UConn is relatively narrow. UConn is. I, I, I'm not ashamed to say it. UConn is a better team, both on paper and in person, right? They just have, they are a complete team and they're the number one team in the country for a reason, right? So they are fundamentally on paper, on, you know, on paper and certainly on Saturday, they were the better team. Is there a way for Marquette to win this, to beat UConn? I do think so. But the margin of error for that opportunity is really narrow. And when you look at the fact that Marquette couldn't shoot threes, um, you know, they game plan Tyler Kolick out of the game for the most part. And Cam Jones, I mean, he, he sh- is statistically it showed up better because he was four for four from two. But those came late in the game when it didn't matter. He was two of eight from three. Was just not aggressive. And, and at least two of those, eight, you know, six misses, he like, way missed like super missed like i've never i've never seen two shots air ball like over the rim without touching the rim right like it was it was bonkers bad um but you know so so marquette's not shooting well um tyler kolik doesn't play well on top of that you've got you know you know marquette playing it seemed a little bit timid right and and the other thing and i do want to bring up officiating and and i'm not going to hit it 
that hard. And it's also definitely not like we, wh- wh- why we lost, right? Again, it's a narrow of margin. Not even of error. close, yeah. Right. Narrow margin of error. If any of these things goes wrong, Marquette's going to lose. But what happened is all of these things went wrong at the same time and and you got a huge loss, right? Like they like they say in airplane crashes, right? It's a it's a chain of catastrophe. It's not any one thing that causes a catastrophe. It's this happened and then this happened to happen at just the right time a minute later, da 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 da. And all these things piled up. But like the challenge that Marquette has is they live in the paint. And for whatever reason, uh, I don't think it's a conspiracy. And I will also argue that I think the officiating is generally even, right? They are calling it the same way against UConn that they are calling it against Marquette. But Marquette lives in the lane. And for whatever reason, the officials are just unwilling to make foul calls when Marquette goes to the rim. And we had a number of times where we really got into trouble Late in that first half, there were at least twice, and I think a third time, I'd have to go back and watch yet again to to reconfirm, but at least twice where Marquette had, you know, shots at the rim, one Stevie was shoved and then got, and then had the ball blocked, and another Chase Ross was bumped, Um, and both times Stevie and Chase ended up on the, on the end line, and there was a run out the other way, and this defense just isn't set up to go you know, five on four against the best team in the country continuously. And you just saw that run where like it it just sucked the energy out of Marquette where, you know, UConn, the score was five and then Marquette missed and UConn made it eight. And then, you know, and next thing you know, it's like a 12 point lead and there's a nine zero run and Marquette just keeps keeps falling further and further and behind. And that's, you know, so it all adds up, right? Like that's what you know, really led to the score result. I don't think in my heart of hearts that Marquette is a 28-point worse team than UConn. They were on Saturday, but in general, I don't think they're that much worse than UConn. Yeah, I would take Marquette plus 27.5 in a rematch on a neutral floor. Uh, But, yeah, I I think to your point about the fouls, yes, clearly – it doesn't matter which three officials were, you know, on that game. It could have been three Marquette parents officiating that game, and it still would have gone the way it did. I think. Um, the when again, UConn is just so much bigger. When you got a seven-two guy in the middle, and then you know they're just bigger than Marquette at every position. You know, Tyler's going out there at six-three, and he's being guarded by Tristan Newton, who's six-five. You've got you know Caravan is six-eight. Yeah, it's about the same size as Joplin, but you're bringing when you bring Samson Johnson off the bench at six-ten. They got a bunch of guys who are six-seven. Um, Castle is six-six, so whoever he is guarding, whether it's Mitchell or Chase or Cam, he's bigger than him. So and you know. Uh, Spencer's six four, so he's probably eye to eye, maybe a little taller than uh, Stevie, and pretty close to Cam. But the point is, like when Marquette's driving to the basket, like Connecticut, they're so big they don't really need to foul to alter shots. They can just get their hands up and block. And like there were several times in that first half when Marquette's like on the break, and uh, UConn could just go up and just block the shot. Right. Like they don't need to like use their body to 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 throw them off balance because you know it's a little guy going up against me I'm just going to stand up I'm going to put my arms up I'm going to swat this thing and that happened a few times um, now do I think uh, Klingon actually did not have a single foul in that game maybe not but I mean the 
opponent, he was not whistled for a single foul. And one of our hopes going in was that there would be a foul trouble for Klingon. I think when you go into a game and one of your biggest hopes for the game is that one guy has foul trouble and doesn't play, it's probably, you know, kind of an admitting that he's a huge problem and you just have no answer for them. And, Mar- and Marquette had absolutely nothing to go against Klingon in that game. Um, but yeah, you know, it was interesting, you know, the foul thing though, not so much this game, but big picture. I thought it was interesting. Shaka said on his radio show last week, he brought up the fact that Marquette is near the lat near last in the big East, or maybe they are dead last, in the big East in free throws attempted, but right near the top of the league in two point baskets. And he just said, that doesn't compute. And I hope he didn't get fined for that, but that's usually the kind of... If you say it after a game, it's something you get fined for. But um, I, I'm glad he pointed that out, and I hope it makes a difference, uh, you know, maybe going forward. But, uh, you know, the Big East race, it doesn't even matter at this point because that's going to go to UConn. But, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm just not sure what else Marquette could have done in that game other than the simple generic fact of play better make more shots uh, but you know the three-point shooting was bad but I think a lot of that is a credit to UConn uh, they did not allow many good looks for Marquette they were very fast and very physical and alert on defense for most of the game especially up until the point where it got out of hand Marquette just did not get good looks and so when you're forced into uh, you know as many bad looks as Marquette was you're going to shoot poorly yeah like They've had some bad shooting games this year, but a lot of that was, was just tough luck as far as uncontested threes not going down. There weren't a ton of those. Now, yeah, there were some that you wish had gone down, but uh, there were also some really difficult shots that Marquette was forced to take because of Connecticut's defense. And, yeah, it, it just spiraled out of control, and there was never really a, a window where I believed Marquette was going to make a run in that second half. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, 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 there was hope, right, for me. But then again, I'm the eternal optimist. I thought at one point, you know, Marquette had the lead down to, to 13 um, and, and forced a bad Connecticut shot. And and, and uh, Chase Ross just didn't catch the ball. The shot was so bad, went off his hands. And next thing you know, you know, UConn was making more shots. And again, even if Marquette gets that ball and goes out and scores the other way, the way UConn was playing, again, they were not taking their foot off the gas. You know, you don't. I don't think they would have folded mentally or something like that. So, so I think once you know, once that first half ended, you know, and even a little bit of the start of the second half, I think the writing was a touch on the wall. Um, and and you hate to see that outcome because again, I don't think Marquette is a is a twenty. 28 point underdog going going forward right like UConn beat Marquette by more points than they did um Georgetown and Seton Hall and uh, and Providence right like uh, UConn only beat Providence by uh, like what three or four something like that right and you know Marquette is a better team than that that scoreline would would seem to indicate and it's really going to come down to you know, Marquette was riding high, eight game, you know, eight game winning streak. Now, six of those eight games were also on the road. Um, or or let me take that back. Six out of the nine games, if you count the, the UConn game, were on the road in their in their last nine games. So, you know, they there's some road woes, they're tired, whatever. You still gotta win anyway. But I I, I just think it was a real bad game. It sucked to be on national television and, and have that go down. And it ends up 
feeling real bad. But I don't know. It it doesn't change my perspective on the team overall. Like I I think they were a good team that had a real bad day and played a really good team that had a really great day. And and that's how we got the result that we got. Um, I don't take anything away from the te- the game more than that. Yeah, I'd agree. Like I was, one thing I was going to ask is this a uh, something you take anything positive out of, or is this something you just burn the game film and move on to the next one? No, I, I mean, I think you talk about it like why why did we not have the energy? Why were we timid? Why were we not being aggressive? Right? Like, because again, it's it's you know, if you look at the shot chart, they had you know a fair number of of shots at the rim, but they weren't going at the rim that much. They did settle for a lot of three point shots. Um, you know, so, you know, like, I, I don't know that there's anything structurally you take away from any of that other than like, just play better. Right. And I, I think you, you talk about the emotional and the mental and you, you move on to DePaul and thank God, thank God we got DePaul next. Right. Like that's, that's a get right game. Yeah, the get right of get right games. But um, before we get to the the week to come, I do want to touch on something you said earlier that I think is something that I, we kind of want to hammer home in this podcast is, yes, w- like when you have a preseason goal list, you have probably a list of goals. So you got to strike out one right now, and that's win the Big East regular season title. That's gone. But the the goal you probably had at the top of your chart and probably the next two or three after that are all still available. And that's all about March, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the ultimate goal is to win the national title. Uh, but beyond that, right behind that is to get to the Final Four, get to the Elite Eight, get to the Sweet 16. These things are all still doable for Marquette. Uh, Saturday's result doesn't change that. The good news is, yeah, and I know a lot of people are down on them after the way that game went and the way last March went. But the good news is you don't have to play Connecticut four times to get to the Final Four. In fact, I would say it's probably very unlikely that Marquette and Connecticut would be in the same bracket. Mm-hmm. And if they do see Mar- Connecticut in March or you know in in the NCAA tournament, it would be probably it would be at the Final Four most likely. Um, so yeah, but you're gonna have to play good teams. You have to play somebody, but you're not gonna have to play a team like Connecticut in the first or second or third round. Very, uh, you know, it, there's quite frankly, I don't think there's any team like Connecticut. Right now, they are going to be the number one undisputed team in the country when the AP poll comes out on Monday. But the, but yeah, I I agree with what you said there, Phil. And I, you you do kind of have to shake off this loss and say, look, yeah, we got our butts kicked, but we also got our butts kicked last year. And they ended up having a great season, won the Big East regular season title, won the Big East tournament. And then, yeah, March did not go quite as well, but at least they did get their first March win since 2013. And now there's still plenty of potential to go forward. Yeah, they're not going to play like that every day because not every team has Donovan Klingon. You know, not every team has Caravan and Camp Spencer on the wing like UConn does. UConn is just an incredible team that was absolutely cooking and on fire. And Marquette had to, they needed an A plus effort on Saturday, and they did not get anything close to an A plus showing. I, not, I'm going to say effort because the effort was there. They just didn't have an A plus performance. They had something quite below that. And UConn more or less did have an A to A plus performance, but yeah, Phil, there's plenty of time left in this season, and most of Marquette's goals are still right there for the taking. Yeah, absolutely, and and again, 
you know, it's one game and, and it feels like that game result has the effect of washing away all the good Marquette had done over the last month and a half. Um, or like somehow that that result is outsized by the fan base and results in, well, Marquette's going to be a five seed and they're going to be, you know, out in the first round of March. To your point, there is, you know, you could probably make the argument that UConn is in a class by itself within the NCAA basketball, right? Like, you know, Purdue, eh, may, maybe they're close, but Purdue is certainly susceptible, right? They, they've they had some losses. In fact, they lost to Ohio State this weekend who, you know, doesn't have a head, you know, has an interim head coach, right? So, um, you know, if you just look at the relative strengths of the teams, you know, UConn is, seems to be in a class by itself. Well, we're not going to play a bunch of UConns the rest of the way. We might have to play a UConn to realize our, our ultimate goal. Um, and we'll take that when it comes. But other than play, literally playing UConn at least once more uh, this season, it's all beatable teams from here on out. And again, I don't yep. think Marquette's going to like walk away from this game broken, right? Like... They're, it's, they, they're not going to have a spirit, their, their spirit. I wouldn't think so, right? Now, that that might have happened in the Wojo era. I guarantee you after a game like this, we'd turn around and dump it against DePaul, right? Um, I don't see that happening with this team. So so we're not, we're not broken. We played a really bad team or a really bad game against a really good team. Um, and that can happen. We got to do better the next time. But we're still a good team. And we should enjoy that good team. Yeah, that was also the last of a stretch where Marquette played four of five away from home. And now it's going to flip the other way. They're about to play four of five in Milwaukee. So this team is not going to have to get on a plane for almost two weeks. Right. Right? Because they right. they got two games this week. Uh, they So they'll be home all week this week. And they'll be home all the way through next Wednesday when they host Providence. They won't have to get on a plane till I guess they would probably leave Thursday or Friday to go to uh, Omaha to play Creighton. And then they would be back home again for the return match against Connecticut. So maybe a chance to relax a little bit. You know, sleep in your own bed for 10 days straight. That's always good when you've been on the road as much as these guys have. And... um, yeah, a chance to get some more quality wins. The only one ahead that is not a quality win at all would be DePaul. Uh, that gosh, that might even be a Q four game at this point. DePaul's, I mean, they're three oh two. Yeah, that's a Q four game. A home yeah, game so, against. But other than a, that, most a, of them are. Yeah, most of them are most of them are Q one games. Maybe a couple Q twos in there, um, but plenty of opportunities to keep building that resume and get in line because again it ultimately it is about that tournament and what you can do about that tournament between now and then is build the resume try to get secure your spot on that two line maybe there's an outside shot to get up to the one i don't know how realistic that is you can maybe check alan Bukowski's next bracketology when he posted on crack sidewalks and he'll probably map out how realistic that is but um marquette is right in the strongly in the mix for a two seed you know you know, barring a really rough finish to the season, I, I can't see them dropping below the three line, honestly, because uh, their resume is so strong, their schedule is so strong, and they have a bunch of quality wins, and they have chances to get more. The uh, I'm sure many of you saw, maybe it's easy to forget because it happened before the Connecticut game, 
But the selection committee released its top 16 seeds as of right now, and you can put as much stock in that as you want to. But for in case you missed it, the top seeds are, I'll just go like top 10. I don't need to read them all, but... Uh, one Purdue, again, this was before Saturday's results and Sunday's results. One Purdue, two Connecticut, three Houston, four Arizona, five North Carolina, six Tennessee, seven Marquette, so they are the third two seed, eight Kansas, nine Alabama, ten Baylor, and so on and so forth. You can look up the rest. So, you know, when that when the reveal came out, I think my, my reaction was certainly, Phil, maybe Marquette is a touch low, but in the big picture, does it really matter because they have so many games ahead of them and then they go out and what happened on Saturday certainly did not make any case to move up at all. But I think Marquette was roughly where we expected them to be and I think it says that they are in a good position to stay on that two line for a while as long as they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, I guess I was surprised that Purdue was ahead of UConn and again, I would have said this Prior to the the result, I think UConn is just a better team than Purdue, and we've played both the teams, right? And unfortunately, lost both to the, lost to both teams. But yeah, I think I think Marquette's, I'll say, safely on the two line. I think the the worst case scenario at this point is is the three line, and you know, because I just I don't see the bottom dropping off. Yes, this was a bad loss to Connecticut, but I don't see this team, um, you know, just letting letting the bottom drop out. Um, and so, you know, if they're in, if they're a two or a three seed, when it's all said and done, that's that that's all you could ask, right? Like, I mean, we 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 were talking about national title contender, but I don't know that we were ever like, hey, this is going to be the number one one seed, right? Like, maybe, I don't know. I don't, I I just I think. I think we're where we need to be, right? Again, we won't face Connecticut till late in the tournament if we yeah. have to face them. Um, likely the same with Purdue. And those are the only teams that quote unquote scare me in the top in the top teams that you named. Like I think all of the, the other yeah, teams I mean, get, are challenges, yeah. but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, there I mean it's not like it, it, the rest of that top sixteen is easy. I mean there are certain no. I mean, there are some teams in that top sixteen that you know, can't beat Marquette for sure. Wisconsin has their number 16. But, um, but yeah, like, obviously you would love to be a little bit higher. Maybe when we were talking preseason, maybe we had our eyes on a potential one seed, right? Uh, if Marquette could have won the Big East again with the schedule it had. Uh, I still think it's probably a, a little ways to go. I don't know if Marquette can get all the way to the one line, but still have some games to play. We'll see what happens. If Marquette were to win out, including a win over Connecticut, as uh, some other teams lose ahead of you and don't get as many quality wins. Like, for example, Arizona, currently ahead of Marquette, but they don't have a whole lot of quad one opportunities left. Right. I mean, Pac-12 stinks, right? Yep. I mean, there's not a whole lot out there. Um, uh, looking at the AP poll, I was looking at just a rough guess at where, for what that's worth, I mean, you, I think this time of year you care less and less about the human polls, but just maybe you're just curious about it, where they're going to be. Marquette's at four. Uh, you, you shouldn't be punished too much by losing to the number one team in the country in their place, but when you get destroyed like that, you're probably going to drop a little bit. I would guess Arizona probably jumps Marquette in the AP poll. They were five. Um, now, Kansas lost to Texas Tech last week. They were six, and UNC lost to Syracuse last week. They were seven. So both of them might be due for a little bit of a drop. Maybe Tennessee jumps all the way up. Maybe Duke just because they're Duke and people love when they win two games in a week. Hmm. Uh, but I couldn't see Marquette following any lower than seventh in the new AP poll. Right. Personally. Yep. Not that, for what that's worth. 
Um, but I think it'll be number one, unanimous Connecticut. Houston will probably be number two. Purdue, I guess, will probably be three. Maybe Arizona will be three. But, um, yeah. I mean, you're still right in the mix, right? That's what you want. You want to be a top two seed. If Marquette right. were a two seed again, like they were a year ago, I think you'd probably take that, wouldn't you? I, I mean, it'd 100%. be nice to be a one, but a two is it's a similar path, right? You've got a first-round game against a team that you should win pretty handily, and then you've got a 7-10 game where you'll be the favorite. Obviously, it didn't work out last year, but it's still a game you will be favored in, and then you get those two, then you're in the Sweet 16, then we'll see what happens. But, yeah, Marquette is, again, are they exactly where we would have hoped for back in November? Not exactly. Maybe you would wish for a win or two more, but it's not like they are far off from that. Right. Where we would have penciled them in at this point in the season. Maybe, honestly, if you look at the whole re- results on the whole, uh, maybe one or two more losses than we would have guessed at this point of the season, at right. most. Right. Right. Well, but 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 and and that projection also assumed largely full health this whole time. Right. Like, you know. We, if if we were a hundred percent healthy this whole season, like we were last season, right? Um, I, I think we have at least one, if not two, fewer losses. Yeah, somewhere in that Providence Seton Hall Butler stretch where right. Marquette lost three out of five. Maybe there's one more win in there. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I, I you know, I mean, we lost to Seton Hall on the road by three. Now, I, I get what was going on there, but, you know, we lost Chase Ross in that game. You know, we didn't play with Stevie Mitchell against Providence on the road, right? So, you know, I, again, you know, we could be at this point 11-3, 12-2, something like that, right? So, again, I, and I don't want it to sound like we're, I'm making excuses, right? But this team is where it needs to be to make a March run. Because, again, at the end of the day, did we want another conference title? That would be cool. Love to go back to back. Do I care and or does it matter to me if we don't get another conference title? It really doesn't. I, I don't I, like all I care about is the March result. This this entire season hinges on how we do in the NCAA tournament. And that's it, right? So we get healthy. We, we get as high a seed as we can and and then see where it goes from there. Yep, and that's what you got to do with these last six games, four of which are going to be at home. Marquette will be favored in at least four of them. Yeah, according to Ken Palm, they are favored in four. They are a short underdog at Creighton, and then they are also a home underdog to Connecticut. So that all makes sense, but I'd say they're all winnable, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Marquette has beat Creighton once this year. Um Creighton's good, but they're beatable, even though it is their place. Uh, they're home for DePaul, Xavier, Providence. All winnable games. Then you wrap up the season at Xavier. Uh, Ken Palm has that as a short favorite. Uh, Marquette as a short favorite in that game. So Marquette, according to Ken Palm, uh, would go 4-2 and two down the stretch. And If you do that, if you can go 5-1, and one, I think you're in great shape. I think that locks you into a two-seed. Again, I don't study the brackets or whatever. That's just kind of a gut feeling for me. If Marquette wins them all, I think they'll be in the one-seed discussion, and then we'll see what happens in the Big East tournament after that. But that's kind of where I have it. The opportunity is there for Marquette to certainly put itself in position to have the best odds in March to go deep, and that's what it's all about. That's 
That's all, and that's why I don't think they're going to lose focus or hang their heads or sulk or start playing crap like crap the rest of the way because the Big East title is out of reach. Yes, it's something they wanted, but it was not on the top of their goals list, I bet. Right. But again, the other thing to take into account here, and I know, you know, I, I know folks are a little sad or upset, but if you look at Ken Palm, Marquette's strength of schedule, have you have you looked at what it is? I have not. Guess, guess, guess what? Do you want me to, or do you want me to guess? I want you to guess. What is Marquette's strength of schedule per Ken Palm? I'm going to guess it's way up that? there. I'm going to guess number three in the country. Okay. I'm going to guess number uh, three. All right. You're a little aggressive, but seven. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, you okay. know, not, not, not to go Monica Geller, seven. Um, but, <laughs> but. But, See, for me, it's George Costanza seven, but you know, you know, different strokes for different folks. But yeah, right, correct, quite literally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point remains: Marquette is nineteen and six with a chance to go again. Let's take the Campom projections, right? So they go twenty-three and eight against what will effectively be a top ten strength of schedule, right? DePaul's gonna DePaul's gonna lower that number a touch, but then we're playing the forty fourth best team on Ken Palm and Xavier twice. You've got Providence is fifty six, Creighton is thirteen, Connecticut is two, right? And that doesn't even count the big the Big East tournament. So I think it's fair to say we're gonna finish with a top ten strength of schedule in the country. And we went, you know, again twenty twenty three and six. You know, is a reasonable projection. Like, I, you know, with the injuries we had, with with all those things, that's not a bad that, that's not a bad result, right? A, tw- a twenty three and six, uh, top ten strength of schedule, probably a two seed in the tournament. Like, that's good. We should be celebrating that. We should be exciting, uh, excited about that. And and I just feel like that Connecticut result has really taken some wind out of some people's sails. And I get it. I'm not telling people how to feel, like feel your feelings. Um, you know, I just can only speak from my context, which is, yeah, it sucks. That sucked. I didn't like it. But these days, maybe it's because I'm getting old and, and I care less about things. I don't know. But like, yeah. I got over it. It sucked. But this is still a really good team. I've enjoyed the hell out of this season. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of the last, you know, month, essentially, month and a half that we have remaining. And I still think we can go deep, and that that is what it is. And I love the style of basketball. I love the the the, the team that we have. And you know, we'll we'll see where it ends up. I'm hopeful that it's a deep run in March. Um, but it's 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 been interesting nonetheless. I don't I I don't know. How do you how do you feel? Do you get the sense that people are like, you know, souring on the team a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So. I'm glad you brought that up because it kind of reminded me of my days when I worked uh, in TV news and you'd get like a nasty email from a viewer, right? Right. You know, it's it's li- it's like literally one person who says something like, you know, I really didn't appreciate your anchor wearing an orange tie in Norman. That's really disrespectful to the Sooners. And then it just irks you. Like, dude, like, do you really care that much? And then like, it just bothers you. But when you like, think big picture, it's one person sending you that email and thousands of others who did not 
even care, right? right? You did right. not even think it's an email. And so, yeah, maybe I see a negative tweet here or there. Somebody saying, oh, they, these guys, they don't have what it takes. Uh, they're just going to choke in March. This, why should we even care? I think the, per- yes, those opinions are out there, but I think the percentage, I would hope, the percentage of Marquette fans who are gen- who are genuinely out on this team is a very small minority in the fan base. I would hope. Because based on what we've seen from this team this year and last year, and under Shaka Smart in general, there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic going forward. So yeah, are there some people who are down and out on this team? Sure. Is that a high percentage of Marquette fans? I would like to think not. Yeah, I'm it's... sure, yes. None of us liked what happened Saturday. It all, it sucked for everybody. But I would hope most of us could take a step back, deep breath, and look at the overall picture and say, okay, even if you want to concede, and just, even though, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm necessarily here, even if you want to concede, Marquette could never beat UConn, ever. If, even if you want to say that, okay, let's say that for a minute. What about after that? Who else could Marquette never beat, ever? Right. I'm not saying there's, I'm not sure there's anyone. So, if yeah, I, I'm not saying Marquette would definitely beat literally every other team in the country. Certainly not. But can they beat most every other team in the country? Yes, I think they could. And again, I guarantee you, I have no, I have no idea what the bracket's going to look like. But I 100% guarantee you, they will not see Connecticut in the first, second, or third round. I promise you that. Right. So they will have teams that they can play with and can beat, and hopefully you can get two, three, four wins, and yes, that would be memorable. And okay, yeah, if you want to be on the side, again, I'm not saying I'm there yet, but if you want to say Marquette could never in a thousand tries beat UConn, okay, fine. You run into them at the Final Four in the championship game and you lose that one. Would that still be a good season? Yeah, you're not the national champs, but if Marquette got to the Final Four, wouldn't that be awesome? Right. I think so. For just the fourth time in school history, I think that'd be pretty sweet. Right. Right. Well, and that again, that that's the point is that that's not off the table. And I just and and maybe maybe we underestimate because, you know, I think you and I kind of recovered from the Wojo era pretty quickly. Right. Like we we just we haven't carried those demons with us. Right. Like we've we've well, assumed- yeah, it's, it helps when you have a good coach who starts winning. Right, right, right. I, like at no time in that in that Connecticut game, as it was all going darkness and and awfulness, was I like, well, this team's going to pack it in. We're we're done, right? Like, I, there are adults yeah. in charge of the organization. I have faith in them to to be able to be successful. I have faith in Tyler Kolick to bounce back. Did he have a bad game? Yes, he did have a bad game. But you know what? UConn forced him to have a bad game in part, right? Like, like the other teams have agency here, and and I think, you know, maybe the maybe people need to shake off some of the Wojo era too, right? Like, there isn't another shoe that's going to drop. If we lose, okay, then we lost, and that sucks. But like, let's keep facing the the games in front of us. We've got our like. Until we get to the NCAA tournament where it's one and done, then we can get a little panicky like, oh, my God, are we going to win or not? Right? Because those are the games that really, really matter. Exactly. And whoever Marquette faces in that first, second, or third round, it will be a team that I would hope Marquette will be favored against, and I will be optimistic that they will be able to beat them as long as they uh, continue to play the way they have for most of the season 
against teams not named Connecticut. Right. So, I I think it'll be fine. Well, right. I think I certainly think it'll be fine this coming week, Phil. I, I certainly hope so. I, I think so. <laughs> I, like, spoiler alert. Yeah. I feel comfortable with saying two and zero. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Uh, yeah, I, I really don't know how much I want to dive into the ball game, but just to hammer. Yeah, there's a lot of red. Back. A lot of red. <laughs> DePaul is awful. This they, DePaul team is. They are bad even by DePaul standards. DePaul is in danger of being our worst Ken Palm opponent. Like, they might be our worst game, period, on the schedule, and that includes by games. Yeah, so worth. Yeah, so. Yeah, right right now, Northern Illinois, who Marquette played in the opener, is 305. DePaul is 302. Yikes. That's. Awful! Like what, what, this is like kids. this is the yeah, worst. Riders two fifty six, Southern's two ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, DePaul's never catching Southern or uh, Ryder. They're they're like a hundred spot. Like Southern's at two ten. They're almost like a hundred spots ahead of DePaul on Ken Palm. St. Thomas is at one forty eight. Go St. Thomas. Good for you guys. Way up there. St. Thomas is ahead of Notre Dame. Um, but yeah, DePaul is at three oh two in Ken Palm. They are 0-14 in the Big East. They are staring down a very likely, well, I don't know very very likely, but a good chance at 0-20. They've got, they may be, DePaul may be looking ahead in this one because they've got Georgetown on Saturday. That is right. their likely last shot at a win. Hey, um, hey did you yeah, know they, that uh, DePaul hasn't won this year? In the Big East, yes. No, 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 this year, literally this year. Oh, oh, calendar year. That's correct. Yes, their last win was December thirtieth. Oh yeah. my gosh! In the they have not won a game of basketball in the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty-four. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the uh, the new coach bounce um, that didn't happen. Uh, obviously, Marquette won the first matchup eighty-six seventy-three. This one's at Marquette's place. Uh, I, it's what I've often called the no excuse game. Phil, there is really no excuse for Marquette to not just blow this game out. It should be an Al Amadou night. He should be in there midway through the second half, I would hope. Just dunking on DePaul and putting this thing away. Should be plenty of minutes for Trey Norman and Zay Lowry in this one. Should leave absolutely no doubt. Should be an easy game. Easy win. I, I really don't know how I could break it down any more than that. Nope. I, that's it. That That is it. We should win by at least 20. And, you know, Whatever. As as long as we win, I don't really it, care. Just win, no injuries, move on. Yeah, and no sweat either. Like I don't know what the spread's going to be. Uh, according to Ken Palm, it's sixteen. Oh no, gosh, twenty six. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no. <sighs> Would you take Marquette minus twenty six? Uh, I, I don't. Like, I I don't. I that here's here's the thing. Like, the crowd will be on edge for that game, right? I'm not saying I will be, but I think the crowd will be coming off that UConn loss. Plus, it's DePaul, and we know the, the, you know, the, the whole thing going on there. I think that Marquette crowd is going to be a little on edge. So, it'll be, this will be a good test, right? Like, I think Marquette wins, but 26 is a lot of points. That's a lot of points to lay out. Yeah, 26 is a, 
It is a lot, especially if you call off the dogs in the second half and you're playing freshmen and walk-ons. Right. Uh, that, that, that's where I'd be nervous, you know, laying that much. But Marquette's going to win. It'll be comfortable. And it's on to the next one. It's on to Xavier. So, again, uh, Xavier, the X-Men, uh, the one team in the Big East Marquette has not faced this year. Uh, Xavier had a great season a year ago. Um, they were right in the mix for the Big East uh, title chase towards the very end. Um, hasn't been as good this year. Mark, uh, Xavier is 7-7 seven and seven in the league, 13-12 and 12 overall. So, uh, I'm guessing they are nowhere near a tournament team. Probably not. Um at the moment, but I mean, they can, they have chances to get some wins down the stretch if they can really turn it on here. But, uh, looking at Xavier, Phil, anything jumping out to you as far as ways they could cause problems for Marquette ways Marquette could cause problems for them. What do we need to know about the Musketeers? Um, I, I, I think surprisingly, I think Xavier is pretty, pretty solid on offense. So I think, um, you know, Marquette will have to be on its toes, but if you, especially if you sort the data on conference only, Xavier has got pretty good defensive numbers overall, but if you put it into conference only, they are in the bottom third of the conference defensively. So this should be one, maybe it ends up a little shootout E, but I, I think Marquette's defense should be pretty solid. I think the one thing I'm worried about against Xavier, because we saw it against uh, Connecticut is the offensive rebounding for Xavier, right? Like Marquette is, if Marquette is not solid re- rebounding rebounding wise, Xavier can hang with us, right? If Xavier does not rebound well, if we manage to box out, I think we could win comfortably. So that's that's going to be the thing. And I and you know, uh, shouts to to that Rob Lowe. But, you know, just don't suck at rebounding, and I think we'll be fine in this game. Yeah, and also, if you can make a bunch of shots, you don't need offensive rebounds. At least That's true. For yourself. Uh, you know, so if you, if you shoot the ball better, rebounding is, is not as big a deal. But, yeah, if you can keep them off the glass um, and just avoid them getting those easy putbacks, you should be fine. I mean, Xavier's a decent three-point shooting team about – close to what Marquette is on the season. Xavier is 34.4 as a team. Marquette's 34.5. So big picture, they're pretty close as far as three-point shooting teams. Sometimes I wonder if uh, when teams play Marquette, they feel more comfortable hoisting up threes or mm. challenging shots just because they know they can get rebounds and yeah. they like their chances to get a putback. Um, I don't know if that was a game plan for Connecticut, but they certainly had no no fear of putting up shots because they got like half of their offensive rebounds on uh, on Saturday. So, yeah, I mean, the, the rebounding thing, which people love to point out um, as a reason to be nervous about Marquette going forward, it's certainly understandable. But Marquette has not been a good rebounding team at any point this season. The the solution is to do everything else so well that it doesn't matter. Um, that the, it you were able to negate that if you have a strong effective field goal percentage, if you're able to force turnovers, if you take care of the ball, and if you defend well enough that your opponent has a poor effective field goal percentage, then those rebounding numbers don't matter as much. Yeah, they'll bring you down. They might keep the game close, but that's always kind of been a formula for Marquette. It's, you know, yeah, I mean, Shaka and the coaching staff are always going to say, box out, we need more effort, go out after those boards, got to do the best job we can. But I never enter a game thinking Marquette's got, you know, they're going to have a great rebounding effort today, and that's going to be a reason they're going to win. It, it probably never will be. Um, right. They're just 
it's just not a strength. They have to do everything else well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think again, they 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 have to not suck at rebounds and do everything else well. Like shoot their twos well, shoot their threes well, um, commit, cause turnovers, don't turn over the ball. Like that, the 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 rebounding can be overcome. Um, even if it's bad rebound, you know, even if the, the, the rebounding is heavily in favor of the other team, it can be overcome. But like when we talk about, you know, margins for error, the worse that rebounding is, the more you lose that margin for error. So like, let's just not suck at rebounds. And then we don't need to worry about so much for the margin error. And we, and, and again, you know, Xavier is a bit in flux. They've got, you know, they're not a particularly deep team. They're not a particularly tall team. They don't do any one thing particularly great. So especially since this is a home game, now it's a Sunday game, right? Which that'll be interesting. Um, it's Sunday afternoon. But like, you know, Mar- Marquette should be able um, to, to play their game and win this game. We've seen, you know, the, the, the Butler game on the, on the road that Marquette won would is on paper a more difficult game than playing Xavier at home. So we, we, we yeah. should get the win. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. I think, uh, is this one of the games that sold out or were there still one, a few tickets left for this one? Cause I want to say they had sold out most of their home games. I, the reason I ask is because I think this is the last weekend home game for Marquette this year. That's which correct. Sounds sad to say but yep. it is. So for for the out-of-towners, this is like their last chance to get up and see a game. I know a few people who are uh, trying to get up, who are planning on being up there for this game, but, you know, it, like you said, it's a Sunday game, so that means, you know, you got to take Monday off. It's a Sunday afternoon game, so I don't know. <laughs> unless there's a really late flight out of Milwaukee, they're trying <laughs> to get out and right. get back uh, Sunday night. Uh, you're probably taking Monday off if uh, – you're going to this uh, Xavier game. But, yeah, last weekend home game for your Golden Eagles. That's kind of a downer. Yeah. I'm a sad about that. Yes. But, yeah. But I do think, to the greater point is, uh, I think there will be a big crowd because I think this will be the last time this year. I think there will be a lot of people from outside of the greater Milwaukee area and maybe people who drive up from Chicago. There may be a few more people who fly in for this game because it's their last chance to do so. Yep, I agree, and I, and the crowd should have energy, right? Like, and I get, you know, I get everyone's disappointed by the the UConn result, but I'm hoping we have fairly large crowds this week and that they are fairly vocal because I think the team feeds off the energy. And and again, they haven't been home much in the last you know six weeks, so you know now's your chance to get out here. We got four out of the last six are are at home. Now's now's the time to make a mark. If we just Again, if we just win our home games, we're in a very solid position for that two seed. Yeah. Just keep plugging along. And, yeah, again, I think Marquette will be able to put that Connecticut loss behind them. They've got some great opportunities ahead of them. They'll be favored in each of their next three games, all at home, DePaul, Xavier, Providence. Win those three, I think we'll be feeling good. As Then uh, the, the, the stretch after that will be tough because it's – Two out of three on the road to wrap the season. Creighton, Connecticut at home, at Xavier. That will certainly be a bit of a challenge. Not a bit. It'll be a significant challenge to conclude the season. But still, if Marquette can go as Ken Palm projects four and two, I think that'll be fine to keep you right around the two line. Uh, if they do better than that, five and one, they will be solidly on the two line, in my opinion. 
And if they get really hot and they go 6-0, and we'll see. Might even be in the discussion for a 1. But we'll see. But again, I think, hopefully, I think the, uh, I hope the thing people take away from this pod, Phil, is Saturday sucked, but it does not define the whole season because there's still a lot of things ahead, good things ahead. I completely agree. We are, we're, we're still fine. We've had better days, but uh, you know what? We're going to have some better days ahead. Yep, hopefully two this week. All right, so we're both on the record for two wins this week, and I'm comfortable on one on Wednesday, and I would say not as comfortable Sunday, but still, I don't. I, I would hope that that game is one of those that, yeah, it's not. They're gonna. I don't know if they're gonna blow out Xavier, but it's one of those games that I think they'll. The win will feel sec, not secured, but there will never be a doubt that they're gonna win the game. I, yeah, maybe they lead by four, beat by five, maybe it gets tied, maybe they're trailing for a little bit, but as the game goes along, I don't know. I'm, my hope is you'll never feel that, oh, this is getting away from us. I think they'll be in control from, for most of the game. I agree. I agree. I, I think this is, this is a week of uh, let's, let's relax and feel comfortable. A week of healing. A week yes. of healing. I think they'll do just fine. All right. Uh, time to put a bow on this one, Phil? Yeah, I, I think, we're, I think we've, we've spoken on these topics enough. All right, let's let the people go. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter, on X Twitter, I should say. I'm Joe McCann three. Phil is M O O O F twenty three at Crack Sidewalks is the team handle. You go to CrackSidewalks.com. We post the podcast there. You can leave comments on CrackSidewalks.com. And also remember, please rate, review, and subscribe Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Phil, enjoy the week. Will you be in attendance for these two games this week? Uh, obviously, absolutely, of course. And some some of the children will be attending as well. Excellent. Well, hopefully you see two victories and we will have a happier podcast next week. Have a good week, everyone. Until then, seashells and balloons.